that you break our hearts for the people around you, for the ones that you love and the ones that you died for and sent your son for. I just pray that as we hear the sermon today that we would really take it in and not let distractions um, keep us from hearing what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. Well, get close. Get real and get moving. That's what we covered last week. We talked about how every body is a part. And, and that's a very important thing. Everybody living life together. You know, and we know we've been created for relationship because there are those times in our lives where we, we have only a few relationships. Maybe we've moved to a new place or a new town or we have a new job and it's really uncomfortable and it can become quite lonely. And so we know that we've been created for relationships. It happened in the Garden of Eden when it was just Adam. Remember last week, God said it's not good because Adam was alone. And so then he created Eve. Um, And last week we were challenged to make a move, to make a move as we travel the road of life, loving God and loving people. You see, we are created with two two vacuums in our life, a God-shaped vacuum and a people-shaped vacuum. And only God can fill the God-shaped vacuum and only people can fill the people-shaped vacuum. So we need to purposefully, intentionally engage those around us to fill, to help fill the the people-shaped vacuum. And we challenged you last week to, to, you know, grab a cup of coffee and stay after church and visit with some new people. Get to know some new names and some new faces. And and remember, I said, even if you don't like coffee, if you don't like coffee, coffee, fill your, just take an empty cup even. You know, and and walk around and look for somebody that has a cup in their hand and meet them, greet them, talk with them. Um, it'll give you something to hide behind or, or you know, invite somebody to, to go out to dinner with you or to maybe even come over for dinner after a Sunday or, or in an evening. So get close, get real and get moving. And today I want us to look at how the church, the organism or the organization we call the church fits into this whole idea of everybody building lives, building community and And of course, I don't mean the churches in this building or the addition or the remodeled kitchen or anything like that. Of course, I'm talking about the church as a group of people. So who do you think, first question this morning is, who do you think the church is for? Who do you think the church is for? Because everybody doesn't go to church. Not everybody is in church on a Sunday morning. You you drove here, even if it was a couple blocks, and there were cars parked in front of homes. Uh, And not everybody is in church this morning. There are many people in southeastern Wyoming that don't go to any church. And, and have you ever wondered why? I mean, there are those, those thoughts that, well, they just don't believe Jesus is real and they don't, they don't believe in God. But of all of the people that I've talked to, very seldom, now I'm not saying it's never happened because it has, but very seldom is that the reason why they don't go to church. Um, there are a lot other reasons, or we might refer to them as excuses, but they're reasons nonetheless. Um, and some of those reasons um, are, are illustrated by this conversation a pastor had with his doctor. Uh, the pastor was, and this is a real story, having a conversation with his doctor one day, and he asked his doctor if he went to church. And his pastor's answer was this, I already did that. I already did that. This pastor went to church, or this doctor went to church for 30 years. He woke up one day and he said, I'm not going anymore. He grabbed his golf clubs and he went to the golf course and he hadn't been back to church since. He said, I already did that. Uh, Most people think that um, my problem isn't with God, it's with the church or the people that go to that church or that church or or any church for, for that matter. 
Maybe um, they were a part of a church at one time and they were burned by someone or they, they felt uncomfortable or they tried it and, and they were just confused. They, they felt alone and, and they were in a crowded room or they felt dumb and stupid. I mean, those are some things that even I have felt at times in, in a church. Um, Christmas, Easter, and the days after 9-11, I think, are evidence to the fact that it's not God that people have a problem with. Because on those days, there are many people that are in those buildings or in gatherings of churches. Most people want a connection with God. It's the church they have a problem with. And that can be kind of a nebulous idea as well. The church. And again, what I'm talking about is, is us, is the people um, that are a part of that. Uh, they, they may go to one of those aforementioned um, services, and then they come back home and they say, oh, oh yeah, now I remember why I stopped going to church. Um, I just really felt uncomfortable here, or I, didn't, I really just felt lost. I felt like everybody else knew all of this stuff, and then I was down here, and I just, you know, I'm looking around, and people are nodding their heads like they get it, and I just didn't. And, and that was an awkward place to be. Um, they know that when they're at home or when they're at work or, or when they, they are at play, they feel comfortable, but at church, they just don't feel comfortable. And I also recognize that some of that discomfort, even for us on a Sunday morning, is because sometimes the message that God is trying to speak to us is a hard one, and, and we don't necessarily want to hear it. So it, so it does make us uncomfortable. I, I understand that the gospel... Um, that, that Jesus, the cross, can be offensive and it can make us uncomfortable. But I think we also need to remember that some of those feelings are sometimes because of our attitudes and our responses and our reactions to people when, when they're actually here. You see, last week we talked about this new concept that, well, it was new to me a few months ago and, and most of you had never heard it described this way, but that as as, as a church, as people, we leak. You know, we, we leak things. In our, in our marriages, we, we leak that drive to make things fresh. We, 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 we leak responsibility. We leak commitment. And, and leaking uh, tends to uh, bring about apathy to where you just sort of get used to something and, and there's no intentionality anymore. You know, if, if we're not intentionally working at loving our wives or showing them that we love them or the, or the opposite, we can sort of get in this zone where we just constantly think everything is okay and we just kind of float along. And, you know, we, that's, that's what I'm talking about here. Um, so we need to be aware of this. We, we need to be challenged this morning. You see, people think that golf is for golfers, football is for football players, hunting is for hunting, and church is for church people. And if people continue to believe that church is just for church people, then they will begin to believe that Christianity is just for church people. And if they believe Christianity is just for church people, they will then believe that Jesus Christ is just for church people. And that is not true. It's just not true. It's like, it's like they're standing next to a ladder with half of the rungs missing. And, and, and people who have been a part of a church or they're a church person for, for many years um, and they're comfortable with everything, it's like they're on the top half of the rungs and they're standing at the bottom of that or looking up and, and, and thinking to themselves, well, I'd like to be there, but I just don't know how to get there. I don't, I don't know what to do. And, and so they just kind of, I think, slink back and, and, and shirk back and they just don't know how to get there. So they conclude then that the church is for church people and that ladders are for all of the people that are already at the top. Um, that thinking couldn't be farther from the truth. The Bible doesn't say that. Uh, the church, point number one this morning in your notes, is for everybody. The church is for everybody. North Hills began a little over 30 years ago by a small group of people because they believed that church wasn't just for church people. That the church had a mission, and, 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 it, and it was to, to proclaim the gospel to people and, and to get that message out there. Um, North Hills was started by people that had a passion and a drive for people that didn't know Jesus Christ. That, that fire burns 
in some of those people still today. And the question that we need to ask ourselves here this morning is, is it burning in my heart? You know, as, as Ty and Sarah um, step out of the boat and, and move to a new town where they honestly have no idea what's going to happen. But, but why are they doing that? Why are we sending them? Why as a church would we intentionally plant a church in another, in another town? Because we believe that the gospel can change lives. And we believe that churches aren't just for church people. That there are so many other people out there to, 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 to seek after. Now, there are times when things seem weird in the church. When it just doesn't seem to fit where, where I'm at. And I think that's true of all of us. Whether, whether you are, you know, you've been a part of a church your whole life or, or whether you've been a part of a church for a year or two, it seems like you kind of, you know, we kind of figure things out. Um, but, but we need to recognize that there are some things that, that we do that, that are just, they're just weird. I mean, we're not perfect. We, we sometimes, I sometimes say things or or don't say things that I probably should, and, and, and I fail in those things. But we need to recognize that, that there are things that we do that are kind of strange. And, and at last week we celebrated communion, and I think communion is one of those things. You know, if, if, you've never been, if you've never been around church at all, and you know nothing, and you come in our doors and you sit down and it's a communion Sunday, okay, what can happen sometimes is we can get used to how we do things. And if communion is not explained clearly and well on a Sunday morning and, and we sort of rush through it because we all know what we're doing, right? And there's somebody sitting out there who's new to this whole deal and, and we're passing out little pieces of bread that represent what? A body, right? I mean, and, and, and we have cups that have juice that represent what? Blood. What? I mean, if you, went to a, if, if, if you went to a Rotary Club meeting or a Lions Club meeting and they pulled out these baskets and these trays of things, I, it would seem a little bit weird, wouldn't it? It would seem a little bit odd. And what we need to remember when, when we invite friends and we invite people to come along with us to attend church, we need to recognize that and we need to, be, we need to help them. We need to prepare them. We need to help them to understand what it is we do and why it is we do it. And, 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 and this is as much a challenge for me as it is for anybody. We need to make sure that we're not just doing churchy things because that's what we've always done. We need to recognize that, that there are reasons and explanations for the things that we do. Church isn't just for church people. It's for everybody. Now, people started to complicate the church thing within minutes after Jesus left the earth. Okay, turn with me to Acts chapter 15. Okay, we're going to be in two... Last week, we were all over the place. And, and, and this week, we're going to camp in two places. So, so grab your Bible. Um, turn to Acts chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible with you, please grab one from underneath the seat in front of you or ask somebody to grab you one. Um, and then the Bible's under the seats. Uh, Acts chapter 15 is on page 1094. 1094 if you don't know where to find the book of Acts. And, and if you're here this morning and you're just starting to read the Bible for the first time, um, if you look at the book just before the book of Acts, the book of Mark, that'd be a great place to start reading on a regular basis, um, the Gospel of Mark. But here in Acts chapter 15, I think, I think we probably see the very first church business meeting. We've got one of those coming up, you know, January 25th is our annual meeting, and, and, and that's a carry-in. It's going to be a great time. We're going to look and see how God has provided for us in amazing ways and, and look at what He has for us in the, the coming of year 2015. But here in Acts chapter 15, um, we have the first church business meeting, and, and the, church is, the church is the instrument that God has chosen to use to get the message of the gospel to a world that needs it. Now, most people in Palestine believed that Christianity was just an extension of Judaism. Okay, they were all Jews and they, they had their law and they had circumcision, they had everything. And then this new message comes along and, and they didn't, you know, most of them in Palestine, they didn't um, turn away from all of that. They just sort of added this to what they already had. 
All of the original Christians were Jews, which, which was great if you were Jewish, right? But if you weren't, if you were Greek or Roman, you were lost. You were lost with no hope. It, it was hard for them. And if you wanted to become a Christian, they said that you had to become Jewish. Really, what they were saying was, church isn't for everybody. Church is only for us. Look at Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Sorry. Unless you do this thing, it can't happen. Now, Paul and others, other disciples, were going uh, around into Gentile areas and they were preaching the gospel. They were teaching that salvation was through faith in Christ alone. That was the only thing that was necessary, that was required, was, was to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was Lord. Period. But that's not the message that was coming from Jerusalem. Jerusalem got word that these Gentiles, these non-Jewish people, were, were uh, becoming Christians, and they began to load them up with these Jewish burdens. They were telling everyone that you can't be Christian, you can't tell God the Father that you are His child and that He is your Father unless you're circumcised. Okay? That was, uh, there were probably way more women becoming Christians than men, I'm guessing, in that day. Right? The men are running for the dark corners... Uh, not really that tough for a woman. But that wasn't the message of Jesus. You see, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. All. Not just come to me, you Jews who are weary and burdened, but come to me, all you who are. You see, it was very simple. Jesus stated it very simply, and they tried to complicate it. Now, the, the disciples were like rock stars. I mean, uh, people, uh, people knew that the disciples were around Jesus, that they, they, they ate with Him, that they touched Him, that they talked with Him, they spent lots of time with Him. He even washed their feet, right? People knew this. And, and so they trusted the disciples, and they said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to send you guys uh, to Jerusalem to kind of work this whole thing out. So in verse 2, uh, it continues, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with, those, with them, these, these preachers from, from Jerusalem who had come down and said that you have to be circumcised to be, to be a Christian. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the brothers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. So, so it's, it's good times. I mean, people are excited. They're here. It's good news that people are being saved. It's good news that people are becoming Christians. In fact, um, many Pharisees, many teachers of the law came to Christ after Christ uh, died and was raised again. We, we kind of we throw them all into one big pile, but there were, there were men that, that, that believed that they had been wrong before His resurrection, and now they believe. But many still held the notion that people must become a Jew to be saved. It's fine they believe in Jesus, but they also need to do this, 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 and this. I mean, they were making it complicated, but the message of Jesus Christ is not complicated. Let's go on. Verse 5, Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. See, now it refers to them as believers. Some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, Gentiles must be circumcised. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. Okay? Peter told how God, Peter had told them how God had come to him and, and had given him a vision. And in that vision, there was, this, there was this blanket and there was all of this food. And he said, and the Lord said, eat. And he said, no, I can't eat. There's forbidden food on here. And God said, nothing is forbidden. You know, it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean. 
And, and he said, by, by using that example and that dream for Peter, God was saying, look, Peter, this gospel isn't just for Jews. It's for all of, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. I'm sending you to the Gentiles. Because this good news is for them as well. And so, so Peter tells them this. And, and, then, and then it says, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that He accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as He did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for He purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Peter says they don't have to be Jews. They don't have to do this, this, and this. Why would we want them to do that anyway when we ourselves have never been able to do it? Why would we want to put this burden on them? They can't be saved by the law. Verse 12, the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. And when they finished, James spoke up. Now this is the James brother of Jesus, the writer of the book of James that we find in our New Testaments. And at this point, scholars believe that James was likely one of the high leaders of the church in Jerusalem. So what James says has a lot of clout and a lot of pull. Brothers, James says at the end of verse 13, listen to me. Simon, Peter, has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Think about those words. We should not make it difficult. We should not add stuff. We should not make stuff up that they need to do or think that they need to be a certain way in order to believe. James says we should not make it difficult. God made it easy. So why are we making it difficult? So there's this compromise. And, and I don't understand everything, and I, I wonder if they didn't even decide to change this later on, and they don't say that this is required for salvation, but it's something that they would really like the Gentiles to do as well. And that, that's at 20 and 21. He says, instead, we should write to them. We should write them a letter telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Basically, you know, he's saying even to the Gentiles, let's cut the Jews a little slack here. Okay? Be sensitive to these things. Because, because the, I mean, think about these things. Um, why would you want to eat food that had been, you know, sacrificed to an idol anyway? And, and sexual immorality is spoken against in other places, so that's, that's not something that's required for salvation, but is a good, it's good. Um, from the meat of strangled, I don't get, I, I haven't studied enough to understand really the strangled animals and that sort of thing, but, but basically they're saying, let's be sensitive to a few things here, Okay. Let's recognize that, that and, and I think this is true of, of our churches. You know, churches have different traditions. They have different forms of worship. They have different styles. They have different things that they use within their services to, to draw people closer to the Lord. And who am I to say that that's no good and that ours is the better way? I'm not. If, if you're not saying this is required for salvation and it's just honestly a personal preference, then, then we can agree to, to do it differently. But when it comes to salvation, that is a point we must stand solid and hard on. And we must not make it difficult. It says in verse 30 that the men were sent off and went down to Antioch where they gathered the church together and they delivered the letter. So they, they took this, what I'm sure in their hearts was good news. Hey, we, they agree with us. It's, it's, it's right. 
Okay, and they, they took it down and, and they began to, to teach it and preach it. They sent the, met, met, <clears throat> the message to Antioch. We can just put our faith in Jesus Christ was the gist of the, met, of the letter. Then, a hundred years later, it's complicated again, right? And, and then it gets, in fact, embarrassing. In, in, in 1095, the Pope puts together an army and they go on the crusades, right, in the name of Jesus, and they slaughter thousands of people, including Jews. And then in the 1400s, we have the Spanish Inquisition where they threw all of the Jews out of Spain. And they began putting people on trial for what they believed. And they killed thousands of people in the name of Jesus. Now, what I'm saying... we make mistakes. We're imperfect people. And, and yes, that was wrong. And, and I think their, uh, their, their, main, their main premise was wrong. I mean, really, believe what I believe in or I'm going to kill you. That's not what Jesus preached. Okay? Then in 1510, Martin Luther came along and he said, we've complicated it. Right? Martin Luther said, it's by grace through faith. It's simple, he said, and we have the beginning of Protestantism. Okay? That was essentially the rise of the Protestant church. It's simple, he said. It's by faith alone. And then a hundred years later, or two hundred years later, what do we have? Hundreds and hundreds of denominations and, and different groups of people with, with some contradictory beliefs. And it gets, it gets hard. It's, it's like, how do I do it? How, how do I come to Jesus? Well, that depends on what church you go to. That, that can't be the case. The message is simple. And the unchurched people say, you all have it figured out, but I can't get it because I just don't know how. Let's stop complicating it. Let's put all of the rungs, the best to our ability, back on the ladder. We believe that the church is for everybody. Everybody needs to be forgiven. Everybody's going to face a crisis in life and wonder, does God really care for me? The church isn't just for church people. It's for everybody because everybody needs Jesus. We have all sinned. There is no difference. We who are in the church are not the only people that matter to God. Let's not forget that. The church is for everybody and we should not make it difficult. But what shouldn't but what shouldn't we make difficult? What shouldn't we make difficult? There was once a young man who in his youth professed his desire to become a great writer. And when asked to define great, this is what he said. I want to write stuff that the whole world will read, stuff that people will react to on a truly emotional level, stuff that will make them scream in disbelief, cry in despair, howl in pain, and vent their anger in ways they've never dreamed of. I mean, this guy wanted to be a powerful writer. You know what he ended up doing? Writing error messages for Microsoft. He did it. I have screamed in anger and howled in pain at the face of a blue screen on a computer. You know, and, and some of those error messages, they, it's like you have to be a computer specialist to understand them, right? I mean, they're, they can be complicated. And, and then there are just instructions, instructions in general. Um, we gave our son some Bluetooth headphones for Christmas. And uh, he's trying to figure out how to, how to use them. And uh, I'm like, well, just read the directions. He's like, Dad, the directions are all in Chinese. I mean, there, then that, there were no English set. There was no English set. You know, and I, oftentimes I wonder if, if when we're talking about God to other people and we're talking about Jesus to other people, sometimes if it doesn't just sound like blah, 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 blah to them because, because we haven't really been real clear in, in what we're talking about. Six years ago, a little over six years ago, I was the youth pastor here at North Hills, if you're, if you're new to the church. And, um, and, and up until that, I was in that role for 16 years. So, um, 
you know, roughly 19 years ago, uh, we were on a mission trip in Wisconsin. Some of you in this room were on that trip. And uh, we had a, a team called uh, Servants of Christ, and we put together a, a music and drama uh, program, and we would travel around and do these programs in churches and you know, encourage them in the form of worship and, and challenge them with a message in the form of a play. And uh, let's see, I think it was, it, was, uh, it was Carolyn was the one that we were doing in, in, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And while we were in Green Bay, um, well, I, a friend, a, a good friend of mine, Bob McIntyre, was a part of of this mission trip, and he did a lot with with the youth group, um, and and he was kind of in charge of the music aspect of the the music and drama uh, group. And we're we're in Green Bay, and I remember I remember it very clearly. We were um, I was out at the bus. And all of the students, I think it was a break time or something, they were in the mall or something, and I got a phone call. And, and the phone call, it was Bob's mom. And, and Bob's mom called me to tell me that Bob's dad had had a heart attack and died. And, and right there in that moment, I had information that was going to rock Bob's life. His life was never going to be the same after I give him this information. Now, I want you to think about that, the opposite of that, bad information with good information. We have information. We have the truth of the gospel right here. And when we explain it clearly to someone and they, and they hear us and God has prepared their hearts and they understand it and they believe it, their life will never be the same. And that's a good thing. God will rock their life. And, and I see God rocking people's lives in lust. I don't know who those people are. I don't know their names, but they will one day have a name. And there are people in your life and in my life when we clearly explain to them and share with them out of love and gentleness and concern this information that we have, and they understand it and believe it, their life will never be the same. Isn't that exciting to think about? I mean, God wants to change their life. It's, it's the most powerful message possible. And when we deliver it with clarity, people's view of death, people's view of life, people's view of their relationships, people, uh, their, their view of how they interact with one another, what they spend their time doing, what they spend their money doing, it will all change. It will all change. There is power at the core of the message of Christianity that changes people's lives. That's why we do what we do. That's why we have church on Sunday morning. That's why we have big events. That's why we have church at EWC on, on, on Easter in Torrington. Some people ask, why in the world would you close your church doors on a Sunday morning to have a service off-site? We have that service so that people will feel more comfortable coming and hearing the message of the gospel and that in that moment in time in their life, maybe... And maybe it's taken four years. They've come to Easter every year and that's the only service they come to. One of those services, I pray God will get a hold of their heart and their life will be changed forever. That's why we do what we do. That's why we have Awana. I mean, if you're new here and, and you're looking through the worship folder, you might be going, wow, um, uh, NLC, what is that? And could I even go there? Right? Or you might be looking at in there and you might see Awana. We have Awana this Thursday from 6 to 7.30. And, and there is a small description down in the lower left-hand lower left corner of the inside of your worship folder. But unless you talk to somebody or we give a specific announcement or you go to the church website, it's like, it sort of looks like a word. Does it represent something? I have no idea. You know, that it's a ministry to children. And, and that, that, that the gospel is presented on a weekly basis. There, there, are, there are members of our church and members of other churches in our county who, who, who have been saved because their children came to Awana and their children came home and they saw such a change in their children. They were like, this is, what is this deal? And they went and checked it out and they too gave their life to Jesus. We need to remember also that this message 
is not just for white North American Republican Wyoming citizens. But sometimes, if we're not intentional or are not confronted with it occasionally, we can sort of fall into that. And we can sort of write everybody else off that's not on the ladder with us. And what I want to do for you and I want to do for us this morning is to challenge us to look down the ladder and see if there are rungs missing and maybe we could jump off for a period of time and help some people up. You see, this message is for everybody. Any country, any nationality, any political persuasion or culture, it doesn't matter if you're from Germany or if you're from South America or if you're from Mexico. It doesn't matter if you're white or if you're black or if you're Asian. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat or you don't know or you're an independent. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter if, if you know what church is about or you don't know what church is about. It, it doesn't matter if if you're serving a 30-year time sentence in prison. It doesn't matter. It's for everybody. And sometimes we can forget that. We need to not complicate it. We need to recognize that if we can deliver this message, this information to people in our area using the delivery systems that we have and the relationships that we have, that it will change people's lives. So number three is this. The message, the message is explosive. It really is. It was ex- it, you know, God understands that, that, that we can get apathetic, that we can forget. That's why He gave us things like communion, to, to remind us on occasion. And, and we, can, we, can, we can get that way with with many things, even with a message as powerful as this. Because you know what? I, I told somebody this week. We go to plant a church in Lusk or some other town again, or, 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 or we're serving the Lord and we're talking to our friends about the gospel. It's going to get hard. It's going to get difficult because I can't help but think, Satan's not going to just sit idly by and let us change the world with the good news of the gospel, is he? He's going to do everything. He's going to mess with your relationships. He's going to mess with things in our lives to try and get us. You know, we're a whole lot more of more use to Satan if we aren't getting along than if we are and we have a mission and we're headed to it. And, And it's about the truth of the gospel and explosive message. This message is for everybody, this explosive message. So here's the deal. Here's the information, okay? Um, Turn with me to to Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. It's page 1,114 in the Bibles under the seats. 1,114. Romans 3, 21 through 26, beginning in verse 21. Paul says this, but now a righteousness, and I, I just want to stop after those four words right there, but now a righteousness. What is righteousness? Um, righteousness is right standing with God. Okay, there's nothing, there's nothing in the way. There's, there's, there's no weirdness. Um, it's, it's right standing with God. And this is, this is the information that's life-changing, okay? Where does this righteousness come from? Now, this is new in the first century. When, when, they're, when they're writing this, when they're experiencing this, think about this, this has never been said be- before. I mean, I mean, this is a new message. And up until now, righteousness didn't come from God. Righteousness came from following the law. Righteousness came from ourselves. It came from me. Think about Hebrews. It talks about, you know, the, the, the history of faith. And it's like... It's, it's like um, Abraham did this, this, and this, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. Okay? But Paul says, I, I want to talk, talk to you about right standing with God. He says, but now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known. 
This is amazing news. You're not shackled to this, 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 and this. This, this, is, this is a newsflash, brand new information. Apart from the law means that you can't earn it. We don't earn it. It's not about keeping commandments or being circumcised or weighing good versus bad on a scale or keeping score. Now, the law does a great job, and, and, and uh, Paul points this out in verse 20, in showing us our sin. Through the law, we become conscious of sin. The law makes us aware of our need that we don't measure up. But now a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify for hundreds of years, Paul says. We have seen this throughout history. We, we have men in, in, in the first century um, becoming Christians, believing because they read the Old Testament. Okay? The, it, the gospel is there too. And, and, it's, and it's been proclaimed for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's, it's been in the prophets. The law testifies to it. We've seen Jesus signs. We've seen types, prophecies of our Messiah throughout history. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And faith is, is saying that the old way was by doing something yourself in the law. The new way is from God, Jesus, and it's, it's on faith. It's It's believing. It's not doing, it's believing. This righteousness in verse 22, Paul goes on, from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. To who? Only Jews? No. To all who believe. Not just Americans. Not just Republicans. Not just people who attend North Hills or who attend Bethel Baptist Church or Sunrise or whatever church. It's to all who believe. A right standing with God comes from God and it's for everybody. We have this message that will really rock people's lives. And you might be thinking to yourself, yeah, but pastor, you don't know what I've done in my life. I've done some pretty bad things. You know, we could go through all of that again. You know, David, who was a murderer and adulterer, and Moses. I mean, trust me. There is no difference. When it comes to our need for a Savior, there is no difference. We are all the same. We have all fallen short. There is no difference, Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And everybody needs to be given a right standing with God because everyone has done something wrong. And once you've done something wrong, you're imperfect. And you can never regain that perfection again, as if you ever really had it. We all have fallen short. And, Paul goes on in verse 24, we are all justified for we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. God says, I sent my Son on your behalf. And when you sense that something's wrong, that there's a need, we, we want to fill that. We need to fill that God-shaped vacuum. And, and instead of trying to fill that in all the wrong places, if we just had somebody in our life who could point us in the right direction. I wonder if you don't know somebody that you could point in the right direction. Because we can't do anything about it. Only God can take care of our debt. God sent His Son to die and He shed His blood. Verse 25, God presented Him, Jesus, as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate His justice because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Isn't that interesting? Think about that. People ask me this, well, people have asked me this before. If, if our faith is in Christ alone, how did Moses get to heaven? Because Jesus hadn't been here yet. Do you ever ask that question? To me, it explains it right there. Okay? God, uh, He did this to demonstrate His justice because He can't let sin go unpunished. 
But what he did was he held it in check for a period of time. He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Okay, it was counted unto Moses or to Abraham and all others as righteousness. So essentially, here's what happened in Old Testament times before Christ. They're all looking forward to what Jesus was going to do. And that's where they put their faith and trust. But Jesus hasn't died yet. So there's still sin, right? So God was willing to just hold that for a period of time, which is like this fast for him, right? Until Jesus came, and in Jesus' coming, there was then justice for all of that sin that had been committed beforehand that was unpunished and has now been punished for and for us. And he did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. If you have faith in Jesus, you have been justified. If you don't, you have not. We have this information. What are we going to do with it? And my challenge to us is that we take this information, that we get it clearly in our head, and we begin giving it away. The title of the message today is Everybody Invited. Everybody Invited. Everybody Invited to Believe, and Everybody Invited to Church. Bring them on a Sunday morning. We talk about this pretty consistently. Take a look at your Connect card. There's that little tear-off sheet right there. Two things I want to conclude with this morning. Two challenges for the week. One is pretty important, and I hope you take the challenge. The other one is not really that important, and I'm just interested to see what's going to happen. Okay? The, the first one is this. On there it says, I will invite someone to church this week. Maybe you've been challenged by that. Maybe, maybe you have leaked a bit in the last... Uh, it's been challenging to me. You know, maybe four years ago, five years ago, a year ago, you were pretty excited about inviting people to come to church or inviting people to, to, to a Bible study or to an event that you knew the gospel was going to be proclaimed and you know they were going to hear the good, word, the good news. But in the last you know, period of time, you've just sort of fallen into a comfortable journey of life and, and you know, it, it's all about getting what you have on the schedule done and there hasn't been a lot of, you know, desire or, or intentionality in, in talking to people about the gospel. So that's my first challenge to us this morning. And, and sometimes it, it takes, for our memories and for our commitment level, marking a box and saying, you know what, I'm going to invite somebody to church. Maybe you would mark that. The second thing is this. Um, the message next week is called Everybody Important. Every body important. Okay, you see, if you've ever thought, it's, you know, I don't need to go to church or I don't need to go to this group or I don't need to be a part of this because it's no big deal if I'm not there. Whoa, wait a minute. Uh, the, the verse on, on the, the watch, right, in the little video that's before the sermon is, is 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to be talking about that next week. Paul says, you know what? Everybody's important. There isn't. If, if you think you're not important, then you're listening to a lie from Satan. Because it's not true. That's what we're going to be talking about next week. And, and how, in, in, the, in the process of the body of Christ, the church, our own families, um, you know, and, and other things that take multiple aspects, team sports, if there's a breakdown of a position, if number 18 breaks his ankle in the first quarter this afternoon, I don't know if they're going to win anyway, but all hope is probably lost at that point, in my mind. Pretty important. But you know, there's, there's a couple big-numbered and big, heavy guys right there in front of him too, that if they're not there, he doesn't succeed. You know, honestly, if, if, if the person that runs the vacuum cleaner during the week doesn't show up over the period of time, somebody's going to notice. And, and 
every, every, everybody is important. So, so here's, here's the other kind of, just kind of fun thing to do. When, when I think about this whole body illustration that, that Paul uses and, and how each person is important, it makes me think of a Rube Goldberg contraption. Right? That's one of those contraptions where it's cause and effect, right? You have this ball rolling down this thing and it hits this and knocks it over and it lights something on fire and, and, and burns a, a string and it causes this to swing, etc. Right? That, that's what I think of. And if any one of those parts is missing, whatever the end goal is that you have doesn't work. It doesn't happen. And, and, and I think the church operates in the exact same way. And if we're missing pieces or people... There's stuff that doesn't happen. So here's it. invite someone to church or Bible study or, or some event. And the other thing is this. Come up with your own little Rube Goldberg contraption, videotape it, and email it to me. And, you know, if I get a couple of them or three of them, we'll show them on Sunday morning. And, you know, during the, the sermon, because it's going to be a great sermon illustration, we'll have a big one up here on the stage next Sunday to see if it works. Okay? I, I, I don't know. It's one of those things that just came to my mind during the sermon at first service. And so, here we go. Okay? So, you know, maybe do it as a family. Hey, you know, and, and, and maybe, maybe it's, it's to light a fire. Maybe the candle represents a soul. And your little contraption does that. I don't know. Just, I guess, kind of have fun with it. Um, let's pray. Megan, come up. We'll close. Lord, thank you. Lord, I, I thank you for, for our church family, and, and I thank you for, for people here this morning that I, Lord, I know they love you and they want to serve you. And, and Lord, I pray that this morning's message is, is more of a, of a challenge and an encouragement than it is a, a feeling, you know, conviction because I haven't been or whatever, Lord, I pray that, that, that we would not hear uh, a negative message, but we would hear the fact that, that we have this life-changing, earth-shaking, soul-rocking information. And Lord, I pray that, that you would help us to take um, intentional opportunities to, to share that with people. We would, we, would, we would ask people to come along with us as we learn and grow. Lord, I pray that you would uh, use this offering that, that we're going to take. And Lord, I pray that as we give it, 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 it it's a form of worship, Lord, as we, as we sacrifice to you some that you've given us. And, and, and Lord, I pray that this final song would just be a, a proclamation. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen.